tools for living, room to grow, a space of grace to become everything God wants us to be. You're listening to The Living Room Podcast with Joanna Weaver, episode 115. Have you ever felt God calling you to step out for Him, but have just been too intimidated or afraid? Well, Lori Willehite knows exactly how you feel. Though she's married to Judd Wilhite, pastor of one of the leading churches in America, for years she was paralyzed by fear that she might be the one that destroyed their ministry. Yet out of that struggle came such a beautiful and powerful ministry to pastors' wives and ministry women called Leading and Loving It that I know Lori would go through that struggle all over again. Whether you feel called to ministry or not, I know you're going to be blessed by this conversation. Hey there, Lori. Welcome to the Living Room Podcast. I am so honored that you are here. Oh my goodness. It's so great to be here. Thank you so much just for the time and the opportunity to get to hang out with you for a little bit. Well, I have been longing to talk to you ever since you started the ministry, Leading and Loving It. And as a pastor's wife, I know I've been hungry for resources. And you you and your team have done such a beautiful job. But I'd like to like rewind back to the beginning because also I had the privilege many years ago speaking at a Christmas tea in the Las Vegas area. Spent I couldn't fly out Saturday night. So I went to your church. Oh. I think it was the first weekend of December. And I remember, I mean, first of all, what God has done through you and Judd are, is just so beautiful. 23 locations, you guys, internationally and nationally. And I just learned 12 of those are in prisons. Oh my goodness. That could, that could be a whole conversation. <laughs> we absolutely love it. Who would have thought two Texas kids would end up in Sin City? And we just... Like we absolutely love getting to partner with God in the work he's doing and the lives of people here. It's a, it's a joy. Well, I, I'll never forget walking in and, um, and I had actually went up to the, uh, to the balcony area and sat over on the corner. Um, and immediately the presence of God met me in that place it was one of those spiritual moments with Jesus that I'll never forget. And so you and Judd have a really special place in my heart for that as well. You've kind of pastored me, at least for that little moment, in a really profound way. But I would love to rewind and just hear your personal story, how you met Jesus, um, how ministry has unfolded for you, and, and just even what led up to le- leading and loving it. Yeah. You know what? I grew up in a Christian home. My parents, um, neither in ministry, but loved Jesus a lot. And, um, but somehow my brother and I both are in ministry. So like, uh, I think just shows probably just, uh, what our home was like, just very, um, saturated in kind of the grace and mercy of Jesus but not in an overbearing kind of way. But neither of us probably knew what we were getting into when it came to ministry. But um, I, when I was in college, I really had finally kind of taken my faith as my own and uh, embraced it, um, not as my parents' faith or even, you know, kind of the faith of an awesome church that we went to, but but as my own. And that is when I met this very cute preacher. And 
I just absolutely fell head over heels in love with him and would have married him if he was flipping burgers, but it just so happened he was leading people to Jesus, which was also a good thing. And uh, we kind of started, we became a ministry team together. We've been um, doing ministry together for like 27 years and it's, and uh, I wish I could say it's always been amazing, <laughs> but it's had its ups and downs. And I think as just a very young, I was 21 when we got married and really still, I was still in college. I was still trying to kind of figure myself out. And our very um, sweet pastor at our church, Judd asked him what he thought about asking me to marry him. And his response was, Judd, your wife will make you or break you in ministry. And at 21, that was a lot for me to swallow. Um, And all I focused on was the fact that maybe I could break Judd's ministry. And I was terrified because I knew God had clearly called him. He had, he was, uh, I knew he was doing exactly what he needed to be doing what I was so afraid of is that I just wasn't so sure about me, that maybe God had made a mistake with me. And so I spent the first probably oh, 10 years maybe of our marriage and our ministry together being really, I just really struggled with insecurity, feeling ill-equipped, feeling unqualified for what I was doing, um, it felt like an imposter in a lot of ways and, um, which kind of culminated in about a two year long depression of, um, I just had lived in such, uh, I don't know, such a cage that I had built for myself. Um, afraid that I might say the wrong thing or do the wrong thing, or I don't know. I I don't know what I thought I was going to do, but that somehow I was just going to wreck Judd's ministry. And he never felt that way. He always thought I was crazy, but it just had gotten in my head. And, And as God started to put me back on my feet again and started to kind of turn the lights back on in my life, um, and I started kind of to learn to walk confidently in the calling he had before me is really when things started to turn um, to the positive. And, and you know what? I realized that my pastor did have a front part of that statement. It wasn't just that your wife can break you in ministry. It was that he can make you. And when I started to shift my focus to like, what would it, what would it look like if I started to focus on that side of things that like I can help Judd, I can be a great teammate for mm. Judd, I, we can work together. And that was a really transformational moment, not just in my life and in kind of my leadership life, but also in our marriage and in our ministry together. And so um, out of all of that pain and junk and depression and discouragement and all of that, God actually turned my heart toward other ministry people like me who um, probably thought they were the only pastor's wife who struggled and the only ministry gal who wondered if um, she was good enough to be doing what God had put before her. And uh, so I, I just thought, well, I'll just 
see if somebody else needs to know it's not just them. And I, I decided to start leading and loving it and um, 15 years ago, and it's just been the best ride of my life. Ah, over 20,000 leaders that you and your team are ministering to in so many different arenas. We're going to have links in the show notes, you guys, because you really do need to check this out. But I kind of like to drill down just a little bit when you said God began to kind of just awaken you. You know, I think of so many women out there that maybe um, maybe they're not ministry women, but you just described their life, that feeling of inadequacy. Or maybe they're on the other side of the spectrum, which I kind of came from, where I was just trying so hard and doing all the things, and yet feeling so empty and dry, and like nothing was ever enough. So I I know I had my own like awakening, like where God sort of did something where it was no longer so much about ministry as much about my identity and my security in His love and what He'd done for me. And I'd love to hear, could you unpack a little bit of your journey with Jesus during that time of just kind of almost, it sounds like coming alive, coming out of that tomb of fear into some light? Yeah. You know, I the the real turning point for me was in the security line at the Miami airport. And I was standing in that line with a friend trying to get through TSA and and I had all my bags and I just was having this moment with her, like this Moses-y moment of like, who am I? I'm not qualified to do this. Like why, like my voice doesn't matter. Like I had all these, like this moment with her. And she, I remember she's kind of, threw her bags on the ground and turned around to me and said, Lori, I just got to ask you, do you believe God's sovereign or not? Wow. And I was like, yes, that's the easiest church answer. I know the answer is supposed to be yes. I said, yes, of course. And she said, then do you not believe he knew what he was doing when God chose you to be Jed's wife? Do you think he didn't know what he was doing when God chose you to be the mom of your kids, the pastor's wife at your church, the leader of this ministry? Do you think he didn't know what he was doing or do you actually believe he's sovereign? And I was way slower to answer that. I just thought, I I thought I'm going to need probably a couple of days (laughs) to like really sit and soak in that. And I did. I, I, for probably a week, I just really marinated in that question. Do I believe God's sovereign. Do I think he knows what he's doing? Because if the answer Mm. is yes, then I have got to rest in the call he's placed on my life instead of feeling like I'm constantly struggling against it. And so um, once I finally got to the yes answer to that question on my own, over my life, over my calling, over my family, over our ministry, um, that is when things really started to transform. Because once you really rest in the sovereignty of God, now all of a sudden you have a confidence that isn't based on you, but it's fully based in it isn't you have a power that isn't based on like anything you can summon up after a good long nap. It's really about the the power um, of God in you and working through you. And once I really started to embrace that in my life, everything really started to change for me. And so really now it's just been a mission of um, sharing that moment with other people. Like I I, I can't drag everybody down to the security line at the Miami airport, but I do feel like 
I can set my hands on the shoulders of women and say, do you just, do you believe God knows what he's doing? Do you believe God knows right. uh, what he's doing when he chose you as a mom, as a wife, as a worker, as a daughter, yeah. as a friend, as a whatever. And, and then if the answer is yes to that question, now what? Now, what are we going to do? Now, how are we going to yeah. walk with our head high? Now, how are we going to, you know, step confidently into our purpose? Now, how are we going to like, just let a joy come in and infuse us from the inside out? Now, how are we going to walk stronger in what he's asked us to do? And so um, it was really that moment. And then, you know, I'm, I'm like a slow learner, you know, I, I feel like God has had to bring that same lesson around to me every few months. <laughs> He'll be like, do you still think I'm sovereign? Because here you, here we go again. I'm like, yes, yep, 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 I do. And so it has really um, kind of been the question over my life for the last 15 years probably is, um, do I trust God's sovereignty? Do I trust Him? Yeah. And if I do, then I've got to walk in it. Mm. That's so powerful. That is so powerful. You know, I'm I'm listening to your story and and Satan accented you could break his ministry. Um Satan used you've got to make his ministry with me. Mm. And and so driven, like we've got to be successful. We've got to do big things for Jesus. And the Lord just confounded everything that I tried to make happen. And so for me it was do you trust that this is my church, right. that this is my work, and that you just get to partner with me, that it isn't all up to you? Success or failure, right. it doesn't depend, which is kind of the flip side of the same lie that he used that's on you. Right. Success or failure is up to you. And don't you think that's what the enemy loves to do is just somehow, even us Jesus girls who want to love and serve him— where can I put the wedge? Where can I plant the lie? And as you've been working with these women over all the years, I think the one thing that's so unique that you've probably discovered is there as many kind of flavors of pastor's wives and ministry women as there are individuals. You know, there are some who feel called. Like, I know this is so weird, Lori, because my daughter who doesn't, who was called to be a children's pastor doesn't get that I could have this calling. But 15 years of age, God called me to be a pastor's wife. And so that kind of became my driving force. But then you've got the other end of the spectrum where this poor woman married this guy. You know, In fact, I just talked to a woman who 40 years ago married, uh, married a guy. He was a businessman. They had a wonderful life. And suddenly he got called by God. And she's like, what the world? I didn't plan on this life. And so this concept of going, you're sovereign, God, this is not a mistake. I don't feel qualified. I maybe don't even want to do this. How do we get, <laughs> how do we get past the resistance or the fear or the hurt? Because let's just be honest, there's a lot of hurt in ministry that has, has shut down some ministry women. How do we lead and actually love it? Oh, that's like the million dollar question, isn't it? I, um, you know, I think we're just honest. There are times where we're leading and we're liking it pretty good. Like, <laughs> and then there are times where we're leading and we're loathing it. 
because it's really painful or something crazy happened or our best friend left the church or whatever, whatever the case may be. And I think the goal is to get to the place of actually loving it. Ministry is, you know, I mean, there's definitely tough things about it, no doubt about it, but there's so many beautiful things. I mean, we get a front row seat to the most amazing life transformations. We, um, it was an honor to get to be like the last link in a chain in someone's life that links them to Jesus. Like it, there's mm. nothing better. There is really nothing better. I think sometimes we get a little like caught up in this is my sacrifice for God to be in ministry. Um, but I, you know, I think about like when you think about Prince William and Kate when they got married, like there were people um, scrubbing floors. There are people like cleaning the horses and baking the cakes and probably millions. I don't know how many people were involved in that wedding. Millions of people, right? And what an honor it would have been, right? To mop the floors of the cathedral or to bake the cake or to get the carriage ready. Like what an honor to get to serve in that moment. I bet mm. you none of them felt like it was a sacrifice, but an honor. Mm. More so should we getting to serve the King of Kings feel like it is an honor, not a sacrifice. Mm. And um, and it, the truth is God could get his work done through anyone. He chooses yeah. you. He chooses me. I don't always get it. I have question marks over it sometimes, but it's an honor. It's an honor to get mm. to um, be used by God. And um, so I think sometimes it's just a shift a perspective shift in realizing mm -hmm. that, um, man, this is, yeah, there's some, there's some tough things, but this is not a sacrifice. This is a joy. Mm -hmm. This is an honor that we get yeah. to be part of people meeting Jesus, growing to know Jesus, following him in their lives. Like what, what an honor for us to get to do. And when you change your perspective, it does help the hard things it doesn't make yeah. them go away um there's still hurts and hardships that we go through but we go through them with a different sense of hope i think their mm. perspective that way i love that well i think if we can get past the lie that we're not enough mm -hmm. or it's all up to us i think for me one of the freeing things was to realize oh i don't have to be anyone's messiah <laughs> What? <laughs> That's Jesus' job. Right, right. That's you. What has been some breakthrough moments for you um, that besides that, because the God's sovereign is so massive, but maybe those moments where where the temptation was to get, I, I mean, let's just be honest, you can get really disillusioned. You know, you can be working really hard. I think of that that pastor's wife in a small church and working so hard and showing up faithfully. And yet there there's not a lot to show for it. There aren't multiple campuses internationally. And and then we can kind of question, well, well, am I doing it wrong? Mm -hmm. Or or is God really good? I just would be interested to find out, have there been some shift moments in your life? Let me say this. In the struggle I've had personally in the last few months is something that I've struggled on and off with over the years. And I find a lot of ministry people do, which is like the comparison game. 
um, you know, we compare our ministry to their ministry. I compare um, my impact to their impact. I compare like whatever, whatever, or like the fact that they're right. eating their vegetables and mine are like gagging over them or whatever. Like we, we have all the comparisons. So I love Instagram and their house is clean and mine is a wreck, whatever. So we have all these comparisons that we do in life, leadership and all the things. And I was just, I had been really working on something for leading and loving it. We had been praying about it for like nine months. We've been planning, planning, planning. We get it ready to launch. We launch it. We're so excited about it. Like a week later, this ministry gal, someone who I respect a ton with a massive platform, launches almost the same thing. And I've no doubt she had been praying about it and planning about it for months and months and months too, just like we had. And Honestly, when it launched, I was like, I quit. Like, I quit. I'm out. <laughs> like, I, um, my corner of this universe is like this big comparatively. I, like, everybody just go to her. Like, this is so much better. And um, I just had this, like, I don't know, just this, it wasn't like a jealousy, but it was definitely like this comparison and just feeling like, man. If I had that, then maybe I could make a bigger, if I had, you know, whatever. Mm -hmm. And I Mm -hmm. came across this story. I'm going to mess it up because I'm not a walking Bible concordance like some people. I, but I'm going to guess, and then you guys can look it up later. But I, I think it was like number 16. And I come across this story of this guy named Korah. And he's Moses's cousin, actually. And he is um, in the tribe of Levi, he's a Levite, and he's in this clan, this special clan of Levites, the 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 clan that's like hold the Ark of the Covenant, and he just gets consumed with comparison. And what it does in mm-hmm. his life is it starts to um, lead him to a place where he's not content with the call that God has given him. Instead, he brings mm-hmm. Moses's call. Yeah, and he um, <laughs> he's in a special tribe. He is in a special clan. He's been called to a special purpose, but it's just not enough. And so he starts to really mm. crave Moses's calling. And long story short, it's like there's this rebellion. God actually swallows them up in the earth. How many of us have been swallowed by that kind of pride and that kind of comparison? And as I was reading it, I just was so convicted that my call doesn't need to be somebody else's call. And mm, God has already put yeah. a special work in my hands and it isn't as big yeah. and it isn't as flashy and it isn't whatever, but I can be not just content, but I can actually be, um, enjoy the calling that God has put on me. I don't have to compare to somebody yeah. else. I don't have to crave somebody else's calling. And I think we can lay this over lots of different areas of life, whether it's, you know, um, in a ministry perspective, if you look at other people's churches and, you know, maybe the size, maybe the style, maybe they have staff, maybe they have more volunteers, whatever. And we can have these moments where we start to crave someone else's calling. Um, Mm -hmm. might even look at, it shows up in parenting that shows up in, um, so many areas of our life. But I think the, the shift for me, when I read that passage in the Bible, was getting back to embracing the call that I have. Yeah. And and realizing how special it is. It is God's 
gift to me to be able to serve him in this specific mm-hmm. way. So stop trying <laughs> to have somebody else's calling. That's God's call for them. I got to be, I got to, you know, follow him in the call he has on my life. And so that comparison thing um, can get in our heads and in our hearts really, really easily. And when it does, it not only steals our contentment, but it robs us of the joy that we have in doing our whatever, our call. Um, yeah. And so I think it's a really powerful thing just to get back to the root of the call on our own hearts. And I'm not even talking about a role. I actually... Our call is so much bigger and better than a role um, in our life, Mm -hmm. so much more special than that. Um, But it's getting back to that and just enjoying the fact that God has put it on your heart and in your life. And don't worry about everybody else. Just run your race, stay in your lane, serve him. Serve him with an excited, honored heart. And uh, and then some of that other stuff kind of works itself out. It doesn't yeah. mean it doesn't come back because I have sure will still battle it again. But when it does, it's just to keep coming back, coming back to the special mm. God has asked us to do. I love that. It. I think it's so important because otherwise, even if we do have a, a successful ministry, we're wanting something else. And, you know, I, I, one of the phrases the Lord dropped in my heart many years ago was, don't let the disappointment of what isn't swallow the joy of what mm. is. And, and for me, that has been being able to look at what God has entrusted to me and to be able to say, my boundaries have fallen in delightful places. You know, we, we're pastoring a church of 250 in a little town in Montana. That didn't match that. 15-year-old mind, how God was going to use me. But realizing, no, this is my inheritance. This is the place God has given me and and to receive it as a gift and not feel like I have to make it be anything more than what God wants it to be and partnering with Him. Well, you really segued really good. Speaking of joy, enjoying the ministry into your brand new Bible study that's coming out in August. And I think this just goes so well with what we've been talking about. Tell us about it. Well, I have a new Bible study, August 1st, coming out called Philippians Chasing Happy. And and really, this is just... um, you know, I told you about my two-year depression uh, that I struggled with. And that was kind of the story I told for a long time. Look at this thing that God rescued me from. Look at this this state that God saved me from. And for a long time, I, I told that story until a couple of years ago when all of a sudden one day the lights went right back off again. Mm-hmm. And I did not know how to get the light to turn back on in my life. And I found myself in that same spot again. And um, as the Lord pulled me back out of that for the second time, um, I decided, I, I just, oh man, I just love the book of Philippians. There's just so much good things, so many good things in there. And it's really, so many of us are chasing happy, right? We just want to be happy. Hmm. We're chasing happy in our lives. Unfortunately, we're chasing the wrong kind of happy. The happy we're chasing is going to just lead to a dryness and an emptiness in our souls. But what we find is that when we start to chase holy, we actually find the happy that we've been Mm -hmm. looking for all along. And so, and that was really my journey back out 
of depression again and the lights getting turned back on again in my life. And so, um, so that's what, that's what this study is, is, is a chasing of holy, um, and finding the happiness that's out there. I, I believe, um, I heard somebody say that God cares more about our holiness than our happiness. Like they're completely unconnected. Um, but I actually think that they're so much more connected than that. And Mm. God wants us to be happy, but he also knows it will only be found in him. And so when we chase his purpose in our life and chase his joy and we chase the unity of believers and we chase Christ himself, that is when we find the happy we've been looking for. And that certainly was the case in my life and Mm. um, why I every single day my my therapist told me in that time, she said, I just want you to do one thing every day that brings you joy, which doesn't sound like a big deal until you can't get out of bed. Mm-hmm. And then yeah, I mean, one yeah. thing feels like a big deal. And so I just started to do one thing and maybe that was going for a walk with my husband and talking about, you know, what we thought God wanted for us in the, in the future, whether that was you know, sitting in his word and, and just pouring over it. Maybe it was avocado toast. Cause I really like fancy avocado toast. I just do. I like a good brunch. And so, um, but I was trying to do one thing every day that brought me joy. And as I started to pursue who Charles Spurgeon calls God, the infinitely happy God, as you start to pursue the infinitely happy God, guess what you find the happiness he has for us all along. And so oh. my hope for this study is really just to, interact with the people like me, whether it's depression, discouragement, anxiety, like, or just that like empty feeling that we have is to help them see um, the happiness that God holds out for them and how to get it. That is so good, Lori, because we do kind of compartmentalize. Okay, I got to be holy, but I can't imagine that'll be happy. You know, maybe I'll have the joy of the Lord, but happy? That might be pushing it, you know? And, and, but yet when you go to the word and you see God's heart for us, like he really does, like he rejoices when we rejoice. I think of Jesus as the disciples came back and you won't believe what God did. And he's like rejoicing over their rejoicing. But even just, you know, when you think about, that there are there are fields of wildflowers that no human will ever see, but they're there just in case because God mm-hmm. loves. He loves to love us and he loves to bless us. Oh my goodness. There's so many things I want to talk about and we don't have time, but this has been so rich, Lori. Can you just tell us a little bit about where we can find you and and maybe just unpack the leading and loving ministry for those girls who are uh, ministry women? Um, you can find me mostly on Instagram. That's kind of my little corner space that I hang out in. It's just at Lori Will Hyde. But you can find Leading and Loving It on all the socials. You can and leadingandlovingit.com. Um, and really, our mission is um, to help women lead strong and to thrive in ministry. And we do that in a lot of different ways. We have a conference every year in October in Vegas. You should come to Vegas. To a ministry conference. How often do you hear that in one sentence? And so <laughs> come, come hang out with us. And um, I just believe whether you're leading at home or the office or at the church, um, we need each other. And so to be able to come together like that is amazing. We have coaching groups and 
cohorts and tons of free resources and and lots of things like that there. So you can find out all of that information, but we would love to just um, come alongside you, encourage you, help you connect with a lot of awesome women in ministry and kind of build your own girl gang. Ministry can be pretty isolating. So to have some women in your corner is a really special treat. So if we can serve you, then please hop over to our website and let us know. We would love to connect with you. Yeah, and be sure to check out Lori's other books and Bible studies because you've got so much wonderful stuff. Well, I was just thinking of, um, you know, that kind of stepping out of the darkness and mm-hmm. or or having the Lord even kind of give you little little breadcrumbs to help lead you out of the dark. And I love that idea of of one thing each day that d- brings you joy. But I was wondering, is there is there maybe I don't know why I feel this, but like just one or two other things that you might share that was part of your, part of that healing process and coming back to life. Well, I will say, I, I don't think we can say enough the importance of talking to someone when you need it. Yes. Sometimes yes. I feel like, um, especially in Christian circles, especially in leadership circles, we somehow feel like that's weak or I don't know, we shouldn't do it or we can't afford it. And not even, maybe it's, you can't afford it financially, but maybe it's, I can't afford the gossip. I can't afford Mm. people seeing me in the waiting room. I can't afford like whatever. And I just think for when you're in a state that I was in, (laughs) um, or if your marriage is really struggling or, you know, your kids are making choices that are breaking your heart. The truth is maybe we can't afford not to, um, yeah. help and seek some counsel. There's so many great Christian um, therapists and counselors out there. And um, I am a big advocate for getting the help that you need and talking to someone who can give you a different perspective and a biblical perspective um, and helping kind of retrain some thought patterns that are going on in our minds. And so um, if that's you, I, I, I just think don't be afraid. I just got DM'd by somebody yesterday. Do you think it's okay if I go to counseling? I'm like, yes, please. I'll help you find one right now. And so, so don't be afraid of that. Um, I think the Lord often to me speaks through other people and my husband, my therapist, all of it. Um, so, so get that help if you need it. That was really key for me. Um, and then I, I really just think part of the joy of like Philippians four, when you look at Philippians four, it really talks about um, the peace of God in you and the God of peace with you and engaging in those two things. Like prayer leads us to like the peace of God being Mm -hmm. inside us. But then also there's an ability when we like really kind of capture our thoughts and, um, work on that kind of area of our lives that the God of peace is with you. And I do think we need both of those things. We need God mm. who is peace with us. And then we need the peace of God inside us as well. And so kind of going on a journey of uh, engaging with that peace of God um, really does settle your spirit and settle your mm. um, your my my mind is 
very imaginative. <laughs> I can write full untrue stories in my head, in my imagination about all the things. And so it's really grabbing hold of all of that and then letting God's peace be in us and with us. And, um, and that is really what transforms us. Praise God. Yes. That's been my experience as well. But I, I have this like, I have this curiosity that wants to know, how do we do that, Lori? How do I access that piece? What did it look like for you? Well, like I said, often um, my mind does kind of get the best of me. It can, you know, if I have a negative interaction with someone or I hear them talking about our family, I can create an entire storyline in, in my head, whether it's true or not. And so, so much of my, I used to, in my pre-ministry life, in my way back in the day, I used to be a preschool teacher. Um, we would sit on the carpet and we'd sit down, we would get ready to learn our letters or whatever. And we would all get out our thinking caps and we would put them on and we would dial in all the knobs and get our brains focused on what we needed to get focused on so we could do what we were supposed to do. And I feel like as adults, we need to put our thinking caps back on a little bit and turn the knobs and get our minds focused on what mm. they need to be focused on so we can do what God has asked us to do. And so much of that is really just found in his word. It's just found mm. in his word. And um, the deeper, uh, this is why I love writing Bible studies. I love books. I love books and I love all the other things. But the reason why I love writing Bible studies is because that is has been the transformative thing in my life um, is going from reading for a few minutes. And it is that's a beautiful thing. Everybody should read devotionally, but also taking it to a deeper kind of level and engaging with God's word with some depth um, yeah. that really, really um, allowed that kind of thought transformation to start to take place. And as it did, that that's when you start to really be able to engage God's peace in your life. Ooh, I think that's really true because I know for me, so often I, I would read the Word because I was supposed to read the Word. But it was the same thing for me, starting to teach ladies Bible study, when you had to kind of like go a little bit dig deeper. And then all of a sudden you realize, oh my goodness, there's so much more, especially when we study the Word with the Holy Spirit. And it's not right. just check off the list, but we're like living in some of the verses and and asking God questions about it. And that really, yeah, the the verse God's used so often in my life is 2 Corinthians 10, 4 and 5, you know, about tearing down strongholds and, and demolishing arguments. But there's one version that says, and, you know, every lofty opinion that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. And so for me, it's even like, okay, wait a minute, where is this thought going to take me? Is it going to take me away from the Lord or to the Lord? How is this thought, this fear, this feeling? I was just laughing when you said I make up all sorts of stories. I've, I've often thought, you, have you noticed none of us ever come up with the best case scenario? No. <laughs> it's always it's always the worst case scenario. And then we really almost believe that's the reality rather than going, no, that's a story that I'm telling myself in the mind. So what do you say? What is your story, Lord? So, mm, so good. You guys have got to check out Lori's stuff. But as we go, would you just pray over us? I, I, I love your heart for Jesus and I love your heart for his women. I would love to pray. 
Uh, Jesus, we just are, we're so thankful. God, we're so thankful. Um, you could choose anybody to work through, God, but you choose us. And like, what an honor that is. Thank you. Thank you for the opportunities that you set before us. Thank you for the calling that you've placed on our hearts and in our lives. Thank you for the joy that you've set before us, God. I just pray that as we continue to pursue whatever you've planted in our hearts, that we do it um, finding our freedom in you, finding our strength in you, and finding our joy in you. We love you so much. Amen. Amen. This was such a great interview. I really hope you saw how the enemy works, how he tries to get us coming and going, holding us back in fear one moment, only to push us forward in the flesh the next. Well, you can find information about Lori's Bible studies and her important ministry in the links below this podcast. Because here's the deal. You've been set apart for a purpose, my friend. Whether it's full-time ministry like Lori and I or in ministry to your family and friends, your life matters to the kingdom. So let's allow the Lord to help us shed anything that holds us back from making ourselves fully available to Him and His kingdom. For as you and I step out in faith, holding tight to Jesus's hands, He's going to help us live and love and lead like Him right where we are starting today.